What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the tapes, season two, episode thirty-three. It's another glorious fall day, as it has been for the majority of autumn this year, and not only do I have the window open, but I got fucking shorts on today, so super nice out today again, loving the fall weather, that's not to say that it's hot, because I'm not really a fan of the heat, but just this nice 50s weather, really, really loving it, so on today's episode, we got Big Mike and Coolio. So obviously, I always like to give my background and history and experience with each member before we cover them and get into any facts or info on them because I think it's interesting seeing when I'm spot on and when I couldn't have been more wrong. Big Mike, I have a small but interesting history with. So a couple of weeks ago, we covered the Fugees, who were responsible for the first hip-hop album I ever purchased, which was The Score. This week... Big Mike is actually responsible for the very first hip-hop song that I ever really liked. I remember having the Dangerous Mind soundtrack, and a Big Mike song called Having Things was on the soundtrack, and that was really the first hip-hop song that I ever really liked. Other hip-hop songs that I had heard were kind of hit or miss. There were definitely plenty that I didn't really like, because I really listened to a lot of alternative you know 90s alternative 90s rock shit like that i mean still at this point i'm only probably like 11 12 years old max so it's not like i didn't hit listen to hip-hop for a long time but it's not you know hip-hop was not my introduction to music so a lot of the early shit that i listened to as far as hip-hop was concerned i either didn't really like it or maybe i didn't relate to it or totally understand it Or maybe I kind of, you know, some songs I kind of liked where it was like, yeah, okay, like this song ain't bad. I can fuck with this song. I can listen to this song. But given the choice, there are so many other alternative or rock songs that I would have preferred to listen to. It was just that there were some rap songs that, you know, I could deal with, I guess is the way to put it. Where I was like, all right, I, I ain't mad at this song. This song is cool. But the song Having Things by Big Mike, for whatever reason was the first song that I really, I really, really liked. It was the first hip-hop song that I ever really, really liked, where I would just put the song on repeat, and I'd be singing it, and, you know, it's just crazy looking back now, you know, this many years later, 20, 25 years later, or whatever it is, and now we're up to this dude on the, on the podcast, so crazy stuff. But aside from that song... I knew absolutely nothing whatsoever of Big Mike. I never had any of Big Mike's albums or songs other than the one that was from that soundtrack. So, like I said, very minimal history with him, but a pretty powerful and nostalgic one. Coolio, on the other hand, ironically enough, is most well known for a song from the same soundtrack, Gangsta's Paradise. And I knew a little bit more of Coolio than just Gangsta's Paradise, but... Not too much more. You know, I wasn't like a giant Coolio fan or anything like that. I never had any Coolio albums. Um, You know, in general, relatively a blank slate going into both of these artists. I personally 
was super intrigued to see how Coolio did because I kind of found myself wondering, does Coolio suck and just had the one hit? Like, is he one of these guys where, you know, everybody knows his name from at least, you know, just that one song. And I'm just talking about, you know, minimally. There's probably a lot of real deal Coolio fans out there that really had every Coolio album and probably ride hard for Coolio. But I'm not referencing those people right now. I'm talking about, in general... People mostly knew of Coolio probably from that song. So in my head, I was like, is Coolio one of these dudes that just had that, you know, that that 15 minutes of fame. And then when you remove yourself 20 years, 25 years from it, you turn around and you go back and listen and you say, man, this was fucking terrible. Like, how, how was this even popular? Because that does happen sometimes. Then there's other people. Take Coolio, for example, where I was curious, am I going to go listen to this dude and am I going to wonder how in the world this guy ever got famous or am I going to listen to this dude and wonder why in the hell nobody else was really listening to the rest of his music? So I was intrigued to see how Coolio did, Um, you know, just wondering does Coolio suck and just had the one hit or is he one of these guys who was actually really good and just went completely under the radar aside from that one song or two songs or whatever for some odd reason. So like I said, not too much of an expectation there, more curiosity going into these guys. So let's get into these two and see how they finished. We're going to start off with Big Mike. We're still in 1994 today. Both of these artists had their debut albums out in 1994, but Big Mike's was out first. So we're going to start with Big Mike. Birth name is Michael Barnett, also known as the Peter Man and Nolan's Fats. Born in New Orleans, Louisiana, United States. Origin is Ninth Ward, New Orleans. Genres are listed as hip hop, and his years active are listed as 1991 to present. So let's read a little bit of a background here on Big Mike. Michael Barnett, better known by his stage name Big Mike, born September 27, 1971, is a rapper from the southern United States. Native of New Orleans, Louisiana, he was partially raised in both New Orleans and Houston, Texas. So, little to nothing there on Big Mike, aside from a little bit of personal information and, you know, where he's from and where he grew up and things like that. So, let's just get right into my breakdown of Big Mike and see how he did. In August of 1995, the Dangerous Mind soundtrack came out, and at 10 years old, I found the very first hip-hop song I ever really liked, and it was by Big Mike. Ironically enough, that is the only song I ever heard of Big Mike's up until covering him here. While he didn't have many weak lines, he didn't have many great ones either. He did use run-on bars occasionally and seemed to struggle with his flow a bit at times, but he did do pretty well with being able to keep a topic throughout a song. Earlier on, most rhymes were one-syllable and simplistic, but he got much better with multi-syllabic rhymes and using different rhyme patterns into the second half of his catalog, which is what allowed him to finish average lyrically overall. Eight of Big Mike's ten qualified albums were good, and the other two were average. Of his 127 songs, none were great, but 18 were good, and only one was weak. But he did tend to recycle songs quite a bit. Big Mike is certainly not a household name. He doesn't have many accolades. I don't see his name on many people's lists or hear many people reference him or borrow anything from him very often. That, on top of the fact that he didn't really have any clear influences on any artists, makes it tough for him to do well in the impact category. 
When it came to originality, he wasn't much better in that department either. Though he didn't take an abundance of stuff from other artists, not much about his song topics, rhyme style, or image, etc. was very unique. On top of that, early on his music had this West Coast vibe and aura about it from the sound of instruments used to some of the slang terms, and then more so in the second half of his career, he started to sound reminiscent of Bun B. So a little bit of give and take there for Big Mike on both sides of the fence with things. Let's get into the math and see how the math worked out for him. Lyrics, he gets a five. Like I spoke about, there was a bit of give and take with Big Mike in almost every category, definitely lyrically. We had, you know, early on below average, a lot of just one syllable rhymes, um, no real great lines or anything like that. He didn't have, like I said, he didn't have many weak lines, but also used some run on bars and things like that. All these things had him a little below average early on in his career. And then later on, he, you know, he had things he he did pretty well keeping a topic throughout a song. Um, he got better with the multisyllabic rhymes and different rhyme schemes and things like that. So there was never anything too crazily below average and there was never anything too crazily above average. But slightly below at times, slightly above at times, that obviously averaged him out to a 5 overall. Albums, he gets a 3.76 with zero classics like we spoke about. Eight out of his ten albums were good albums. Um, the other two were average. Songs, he gets a minus .08. So that's less than a tenth of a point. That's obviously very, very minuscule. But again, you could be gaining points. You're losing points. Only one weak song out of 127 songs. But no great songs to counteract that. So he does lose a very, very small percentage there. Impact, he gets a four, and like I said, it's just a combination of things. You know, it's he's not a household name. Um, there really is not any major successes or accolades, no records broken, no platinum records, no diamond records, no, you know, big billboard chart hits. Um, and really, you know, nobody really took anything from Big Mike, at least to the point that I'm up to right now. Um... You know, people don't seem to be sampling and people don't seem to be taking lines from him and things like that. So, again, there's a lot of factors that go into everything. You can't give Big Mike a one for impact or anything like that because Big Mike obviously did have some success. I know his name. I'm sure a lot of people know his name. There's a reason that he's on here. There's a reason he made the cut. So, again, I'm not trying to shit on Big Mike, but we have to take all things into consideration um, you know, and he definitely falls below average when it comes to impact. And then originality, he gets the same score. He gets a four for originality. And you can kind of point to, you know, the same type of things. You know, it, it's not anything that made him overly unoriginal. It's not that he bit anyone's style. It's not that he took, you know, a tremendous amount of lines from other people. But again, there really wasn't anything there that was very original. There wasn't, you know, song topics weren't very original. Um, his image wasn't very original. Just his overall general rhyme style wasn't very original. And like I said, his, his sound kind of, you know, I'm sitting here now and I'm reading info on him to you. And, you know, he was raised in both New Orleans and, and Houston, Texas and stuff like that. So two different places. His music kind of had these two different sounds. You know, one was a bit more West Coast and then one was a bit more Southern. So... I don't know if that's a mix of both places he grew up, but the point that I'm trying to make is that 
his music didn't really sound like one mix of the two places. It was sounded like one place for a while, and then it took a switch and it sounded like another place. Now, I'm not Big Mike. I can't speak for Big Mike. I can't tell you why that happened. I can't even tell you if that was done intentionally or if it was just something that happened. Um, I can't speak on any of that. All I can speak on is what happened. I don't know why it happened, but it happened. So originality, he gets a four. You add all those five numbers up and you divide by five, and that gives you a final rating of 3.34, leaving Big Mike in 170th place of 181 artists done overall. So obviously a pretty poor finish there for Big Mike, and that's not to knock Big Mike at all because he was average lyrically. It's not like the dude was bad. His album score was slightly above average. Song score was almost even. So when it came to the actual music itself, Big Mike was more mediocre than anything else. But with scores of fours and the impact and originality department and stuff like that, it's going to be tough to finish well in this study at all. You know, anybody, even if, you know, the lyrics was a six or a seven and, and the other scores were a little better, getting a four in impact and a four in originality or, you know, whatever, just two fours and two categories like that, it's going to be really, really, really tough to get scores like that and to, to finish well in this study. But big shout outs to Big Mike, man, owner of the first hip hop song that I ever really liked. So obviously a tremendous amount of nostalgia there for me with Big Mike. Um, you know, again, not a great finish for him, but I'm not here to shit on Big Mike at all. There's a reason he's in here and big shout outs to Big Mike for sure. Now, moving on to Coolio. Born Artist Leon Ivy Jr., August 1st, 1963, in Compton, California, United States. His years active are listed as 1987 to present. His origins, Los Angeles, California, United States. And his genres are listed as West Coast Hip Hop, Gangsta Rap, G-Funk, and Pop Rap. Now we'll read up on a little bit of a background on Coolio. Artist Leon Ivy Jr., born August 1st, 1963, known professionally as Coolio, is an American rapper, singer, record producer, and actor. Coolio achieved mainstream success in the mid to late 1990s with his albums It Takes a Thief in 1994, Gangsta's Paradise in 1995, and My Soul in 1997. He is best known for his 1995 Grammy Award-winning hit single, Gangsta's Paradise, as well as other singles, Fantastic Voyage in 1994, 1234 in 1996, and See You When You Get There in 1997. He was also known for rapping the theme song, Aw Here It Goes, for the late 1990s Nickelodeon series, Keenan and Kel. Coolio has since gone on to release albums independently and has also become a chef creating a web series titled Cooking with Coolio and releasing a cookbook. So a little bit more there for Coolio, which again, echoes what I said before we got into any of this info. I wasn't overly informed on either artist, but knew more of Coolio by default as he was a little more commercially successful with a couple of singles. Um... We also see some side ventures there from Coolio, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I personally was not aware that he rapped the theme song for Keenan and Kel. I'm not really even sure I've ever seen an episode of Keenan and Kel, but I don't know that anybody that grew up in the 90s doesn't at least know what Keenan and Kel is. So obviously being somebody that, that didn't watch the show, I didn't know that Coolio did the theme song to it, but 
that's an interesting little tidbit there. And then we also hear the thing about uh, Coolio becoming a chef, and he, he's got a web series and released a cookbook and stuff like that. So pretty interesting stuff for Coolio. Not too, too much there musically. You know, he had some success with some couple of albums and a couple of singles and things like that. Did win a Grammy Award. So, you know, I don't want to downplay it and say that it's not there. But, um, you know, a couple of other things had to be fused in there as Coolio's career and successes and accolades were not a giant fucking mountain pile of things. So now let's get into my breakdown of what I wrote down on Coolio when I was listening to him. Coolio's career in hip-hop had a lot of similarities to MC Hammer's in that most people know them for a song or two, but fail to realize how much material they have actually continued to put out, most of which does not benefit them. Early in his career, Coolio was decent at keeping a topic and bars leading into each other, but he did have some sketchy lines and run-on bars occasionally. He did have his occasional dope lines, but he also had his fair share of weak ones, and most of the things he said were just average. Surprisingly, he was not all that bad at telling a decent story, but by his third album, he began to ramble a lot more and just rhyme random words. Then his albums started to have the same songs featured on them as the album before, and he was seemingly making songs just for the sake of making songs. He pretty clearly fell off in the second half of his career, and even started to struggle with his flow at times, which is a bit odd. Most of the features on his songs weren't very good either. Overall, Coolio wound up finishing just below average lyrically. Coolio qualified 8 albums. 3 were good and 5 were average. He released 94 songs over a span of 15 years. While 14 of those songs were good, none were great and 4 were weak. Coolio did have a couple of hits, but was never really able to consistently stay relevant. He did manage to have influences on artists such as Eminem, Praz, and a few others. Early in his career, Coolio was very original with his song topics and his message, although it did get slightly contradictory at times. Later in his career, his songs and topics became super typical, and he got a lot less original in general. So, a bit of give and take there for Coolio, kind of the same with Big Mike, maybe not in the exact same fashion as Big Mike, or in the exact same categories as Big Mike, but still give and take there for Coolio, same as there was for Big Mike. So, let's get into the math for Coolio and see how it worked out for him. Lyrics, he gets a four and a half, which is just below what Big Mike got. Big Mike got a five and finished just average, Coolio just below average. Again, this is not to compare the two guys, but they're on the show together. And one's going to finish higher than the other. So I like to point out each score just so you can see how the one guy got the better score than the other. Um, We spoke about Coolio lyrically. You know, decent with like bars leading into each other and stuff like that. But he definitely had some sketchy lines, some run-on bars. Um, Just most of what he did was average, especially lyrically. And there were some things that kind of swung him just below average. And... You know, as with Big Mike, Big Mike also had some things that swung him a little above average, and Big Mike actually progressed and got better as his career went on. Coolio was quite the opposite. Coolio kind of went in like the opposite direction and didn't really have anything that pulled him above average to even out the four and a half. There were there were not many five and a half moments for Coolio that would have had, you know, okay, yeah, he's a five and a half sometimes, he's a four and a half sometimes, or or he's a four sometimes and he's a six sometimes, so we're gonna give him a five. It really was kind of five or four with Coolio. Like it was more, 
all right, he's average and, you know, whatever. And then it was a little a little down, a little down. It was like, all right, Coolio overall is a little below average. So he gets a four and a half there lyrically. Albums, he gets a 3.55 with zero classics. Again, a little bit lower of a score than Big Mike there. Um, almost the same amount of albums. Big Mike had 10. But eight of Big Mike's 10 albums were good albums. Coolio only had eight albums. And only three of them were good. The other five were average. So more average albums there for Coolio than for Big Mike. Big Mike mostly had good albums. Um, all of them were probably, you know, bordering good average. But Big Mike came out on the upper end of that with eight out of ten good albums. Songs Coolio gets a minus .43. So obviously a much bigger number there for Coolio than there was for Big Mike. Big Mike losing less than a tenth of a point. Coolio losing almost a half a point. And like we spoke about, Coolio actually had less songs than Big Mike. So Big Mike with like 127 songs or whatever it was like that. Coolio only 94 songs. Big Mike only had the one week song. Coolio had four week songs. Neither one of them had any great songs to counteract that and balance it out. But Big Mike only one week song out of 127 Whereas Coolio had four weak songs out of 94. So a higher number of weak songs and a lower number of total songs both contribute to Coolio getting a much bigger loss in the songs category than Big Mike. Now, obviously, when I say much bigger, I'm using that term loosely. We're talking about less than a half a point difference. So it's not a giant loss. But in the songs category, it's kind of a lot because we're starting to get you know, near that half a point or that point mark or something like that. So again, you just, you don't want to lose points where you could be gaining points. A very, very, very small amount there lost for Big Mike, but flip that the other way and give him a point zero eight. You know, that's, that's now a difference of 0.16. So now it's, you know, over a 10th of a point. Um, Coolio, same thing. You know, you swing it the other way, give him a plus 0.43 instead of a minus 0.43. And you're talking about almost a full point difference there. So, you know, you just don't want to lose points where you could be gaining points, even when it's a very, very small number. Impact Coolio gets a five. So he gets a little bit bigger of an impact score there than Big Mike. And, I, you know, I think that comes from a couple of things. Um, Coolio is a little bit more of a household name, more, more of a commonly known name than Big Mike is, and, you know, that could be from his music, that could be from other ventures, but nonetheless, Coolio a little bit more well-known than Big Mike. Um, Coolio also obviously had more commercial success, so, you know, we obviously have the Grammy Award-winning hit single Gangsta's Paradise for Coolio. There was none of that for Big Mike, but on top of just the, the Grammy Award and just the Gangsta's Paradise, Coolio also did have some other successful singles. They may not have been as successful as Gangsta's Paradise, but Fantastic Voyage was was relatively big. That was a pretty successful song. And one, two, three, four, get your woman on the floor. Gotta, gotta get up, get down. <laughs> I don't know how many people know the song. I knew the song. I'm not a big Coolio fan. I, you know, I didn't have any of his albums and things like that. And I knew all of those singles, so... You know, a little bit more commercial success there for Coolio, not only with the Grammy Award, but with more than one single. Um, and we also have to look at the fact that Big Mike didn't have any clear, visible influences on any other artists. I didn't see any other artists sample him, take lines from him, take beats from him, anything like that. Now, while Coolio's list of, of names wasn't huge either, there were at least names there. And one of the names is Eminem, which is obviously a very big name. So now I'm not saying that 
just the fact that Coolio happened to influence Eminem and Praz and maybe a few others, that that carries him a full point ahead of Big Mike for the impact category. But when you mix it in with the Grammy Award and the couple of successful singles against none of that for Big Mike, and you mix a couple of names in, one of them a really big name against no names for Big Mike and stuff like that, you know, it comes out to a point difference. So an average impact there for Coolio, you know, both sides of the coin. Yes, you had some successful singles. You had one very, very big song, you know, a couple little other side ventures there, but never really able to sustain any real success um, or to stay relevant or even really to just keep his skill level up because that definitely dipped over time. So, you know, a little bit on both sides of the fence there and that meets in the middle for Coolio and he gets a an average impact of five. And then originality, he gets a 5.5. So just above average for the originality for Coolio. Um... You know, again, that came from a couple of things. There really weren't many things about Coolio that I wanted to take points off of originality for. As time went on, he became less original in general. But what I mean by that was more so that he stopped bringing his originality to the table. I don't want to say that Coolio bit anyone's style or copied anyone's style. His music never did a 180 and changed and went in a total different direction to try to sell records or anything like that. He just stopped bringing so much originality to the table. That's not to say that there was an overabundance of it from the beginning, but there was enough there to keep Coolio just above average in the originality department. So you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 3.62 which leaves Coolio in 158th place of 181 artists done overall. So, again, not a great finish there from Coolio. A couple slots higher than Big Mike, but still in the bottom 25 overall. And uh, it's, it's odd because early on, you know, Big Mike had Coolio beat in every department. Big Mike, lyrics 5, Coolio 4.5. Big Mike, albums 3.76, Coolio 3.55. Songs, Big Mike minus 0.08 coolio minus 0.43 so i mean he's you know big mike's probably got him by about a whole point here at least and then you go down to impact and originality coolio gets him by a point coolio gets him by a point and a half so overall coolio winds up with the bigger total and the bigger score and the highest finish now again this is not necessarily to say that Coolio is bad because his scores are pretty much all in the average range. But again, we've been seeing this recently. These average scores land you more towards the bottom of this list at this point in this study. We've just had too many good guys come out. We're through too many people right now. Not everybody can finish in the top half and stuff like that. So again, never my intention to shit on anybody, but somebody's got to be last, right? Somebody's got to be in that bottom 25, that bottom 50, that bottom half, whatever it is. So now let's get into our list. For the remainder of this year, 1994, we're going to stick with our top 15% overall. So let's just get right into that one first. So far in our top spot, we have Nas, who's in fifth place of 181 artists done overall. Behind him in ninth place, we have Black Thought of The Roots. Directly behind Black Thought, we have Tupac, who's in a three-way tie for 10th place. Behind Tupac, tied for 14th place, is Pharaoh Manch. Behind Pharaoh Manch is KRS-One, who's in 17th. And behind him in 21st is Jizza. 
Couple of slots back from Jizza is Slick Rick, who's in 23rd. And a couple of slots back from him in 25th is Rakim. Directly behind Rakim is Redman, who's in 26th. And directly behind Redman in 27th is Common. Couple of slots back from Common is MF Doom, who's in 29th. And a couple of slots back from him in 31st is Rev Run of Run DMC. Directly behind Rev Run, we got LO Cool J, who's in 32nd. And a couple of slots back from him in 34th is Will Smith. Directly behind Will Smith is Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, who's in 35th. And directly behind him in 36th is Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony. Directly behind Lazy, we have Sticky Fingers of Onyx, who's tied for 37th. And then a couple of slots behind Sticky, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube of NWA, who are both tied for 39th place of 181 artists done overall. So, fourth week in a row now that no artists have been able to crack this top 15% overall, and I think we're starting to notice now as we start to approach the halfway point that it's starting to become super difficult to get in this list now as things are really tightening up here. And just based off the math, we may see some people eliminated from this list here soon once we enter 1995 without even having added anyone else really. So really starting to show the first signs of serious toughness getting into this list now as we've gone a full month without anybody cracking it. Now on to your current top 10% lyrically, and there are no changes in this list today either. So in a three-way tie for our top lyrical spot, we have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, and Nas, all with lyrical scores of 8.5. Behind them, we have another three-way tie for fourth place between Master Ace, Jizza, and Common, who all got lyrical scores of 7.5. Behind them, we have another tie for 7th place between KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both have lyrical scores of 7. And then in an 8-way tie for 9th place, we have Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, and Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony. All of those artists receive lyrical scores of 6.5. Neither of these artists today major lyricists, so... They don't crack this list today either, and it's been a while since anyone has cracked this list as well. So we're starting to see some serious struggles with anybody getting into almost any of these lists, quite frankly. Now let's get into our particular decades list, starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top five rappers of the 1980s are... KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J in that order. Same legends as always, hanging strong there, remember those names. Now on to our top 5 artists to make their debut in the 90s so far, and there are no changes to this list today either again. So your top rappers to come out of the 90s so far are Nas, Black Thought of the Roots, Tupac, Pharaoh Manch, and Jizza. So a full month goes by now that we haven't had any artists able to crack this top five of the 90s so far. And this just gets crazier as each week goes by. I'm so curious to see who stays and who goes when this 90s list is done because it, it could just stay like this. This could be it. You know, we're right about at the middle of the 90s right here. And do we get guys that crack this list? I would think so. But we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm really curious to find out. 
So now let's get into our new list that we started this session of our top three artists from each region of the country. And unfortunately, there are no changes in this list today either. So we're going to start off in our East Coast. Your top rapper to come out of the East Coast thus far is Nas from Queens, New York. In second place, we have Black Thought of The Roots from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And behind him in third, we have Pharaoh Monch from Queens, New York. Moving over to our West Coast. Your top rapper to come out of the West Coast thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. In second place, Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. And in third place, Everlast, also from Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top artist to come out of the south so far is Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. In second place, Big Boy of Outkast, also from Atlanta, Georgia. And in third place, Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Houston, Texas. Sliding over to our Midwest, your top three rappers to come out of the Midwest thus far are number one, Common from Chicago, Illinois. Number two, Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And in third, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony, and also from Cleveland, Ohio. So, yet again, neither of these artists able to crack any of these lists. And we're stuck in a little bit of a stalemate here where. No artists seem to be doing great in any particular category, as well as overall scores, but remember, I did tell you when we started in 1994 that I did deem this to be the year of the average rapper. As we've been seeing recently, what's been happening to most quote-unquote average rappers lately? They've been finishing towards the bottom. Now again, that's not to say these guys suck, or that there weren't any great rappers that came out in 1994, because there certainly were. But get used to this pattern, because there were a lot of rappers that came out in this calendar year, and the majority of them followed suit. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash podcast. There you'll find all the lists in writing, um, schedules of upcoming artists coming up, just a whole bunch of stuff there that we don't really get to go over every week on the podcast. Um, obviously, no time constraints or nothing like that. Look at it at your own leisure time. Soak it in. Figure out whatever you want to figure out. Um, you can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On my host site, you will see a support button. Really appreciate anybody that could hit that for me. Um, and that'll do it for episode 33, man. Next week, we got Biggie and Craig Mack. And I'm just going to leave it like this. I don't think I need to tell anybody that this is probably not an episode that you're going to want to miss. So I will see you next week. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well.